LiveFlow saves me 14 hours a month. Terrell Turner, TL Turner Group. LiveFlow saves me two working days a month. Michael Alleman, Alleman Business Group. We're saving over 15 hours a month using LiveFlow. Marissa Stillwell, Bookkeep. LiveFlow has given us the gift of time back. Sarah Jones, Ascent CFO. Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, LiveFlow, later in the episode. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Oh My Fraud, a true crime podcast where our criminals take your money instead of taking your life. I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. So Caleb, uh, as we get into today's episode, how about you tell our listeners who it is that you work for, for your day job? Yeah, my day job, I work at Gusto, Mm -hmm. a full service payroll, human resources, outsourcing company. And uh, that is not... Gusto approved copy, by the way. That is just uh, what Greg wrote. And right. so that's right. what I read. Those are the words I put into your mouth. So that's, that's awesome. Right. And yep. uh, and Caleb, since you work for a, a payroll company, you mm-hmm. must know all the mechanics of remitting federal payroll taxes. So explain to us really quickly how that works. I don't know. You don't You don't know. You don't I, know how I to remit know. federal payroll but. Nope. Um, but but <laughs> since you work for a professional full service payroll and human resources outsourcing company, you must know how to register a business to pay federal and state unemployment taxes at least, right? You know I fucking don't know. <laughs> okay, but but you know what an e, you know what EFTPS stands for at least, right? Nope, uh, I do not. But you know how much the employer's portion of Medicare is, right? I fucking hate you right now. <laughs> I'm going to get fired. <laughs> you are. You're going to leave as the communications director for Gusto, not knowing I'm outing you for your lack of knowledge. I um, mean, communications director is not at all what I do. But oh, well, it is now. That's, it's, it's my copy. I'm putting it in your mouth. Uh, <laughs> right. right. And, but, but here, you at least know that employees don't have to pay Social Security taxes after they've earned a certain amount in gross wages. What is that amount for 2022? I know this is a thing, but I do not know how much that is. I know it's more than we make with this podcast. How about that? <laughs> okay, that that's that's uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but bottom line for all those questions, really, what I'm getting to, payroll and payroll compliance is super complex. Is that can we agree on that? I think this may be the first time ever that we are in complete agreement. <laughs> good, good, and because. Payroll, payroll taxes, payroll compliance is so crazy complex. Most small businesses outsource their payroll to payroll companies. And that's where today's story of avarice, swindlers, and scams begins. All right. In order to help stupid people who own businesses, smart people came up with the idea of the Professional Employment Organization. Are you familiar with these, Greg? I I actually am quite familiar with them, yes. Oh, great. I think we'll get to that. Yeah. The first one started in the late 1960s. Uh And by 1985, there were about 275 PEOs in the United States. Which I'm going to say... For 25 years, that's really not a whole lot of growth. It doesn't sound like a Going lot. Going from one to not quite 300 in 25 years. But yeah. Right. Okay. But they were a thing. So this here's something I didn't know, but PEOs are also called employee leasing companies, which yes. is clinical and weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. But in other words, it's absolutely set up to be a full service payroll solution. Right. And if so, something's going to dehumanize your workforce, it's uh, having them, is leasing them. A leasing, a, yeah. A leasing your company. employees. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yep. So when you're, when you're a client with a, P, when you're a client of a PEO, you enter into what's called a joint employment relationship. Your employees are technically employees of the PEO, 
So the PEO has to set up all the confusing and hard stuff like EFTPS, which I still don't know what that is. Yeah, I, I don't Greg, either. Tell the I, people. Do you not know? I, electronic I, Federal Tax Processing Service. I think that's that's at least close. You nailed it. Nice. Um, <laughs> uh, federal uh, unemployment, state unemployment, and workers' comp. Yes. PEOs can offer insurance, right? So like health insurance yeah. also yeah, yeah. to their employees or your employees, as it were. And then they pass on all the employment tax and insurance costs to their customers. And then they take a cut too. Right, right. Exactly. That sounds about right. That sounds about right, right? Yeah, that's totally right. And yeah, yeah so they, and, and, and the funny thing is when I first started working for the company that I still work for now, um, we actually were using a PEO and, uh, and, and yeah, oh. they, they offered all that stuff. We, we took care of our own health insurance, so they didn't have to take care of that. Um, we even started administrating our own, uh, flex spending account. So they did. So we were, oh, actually, yeah. we we're doing all the stuff that they really should have been, that we should have had them do, uh, for the fees that they were charging us. So we actually left, we stopped using the, the employee leasing company, uh, shortly after I came on just because <laughs> I knew how to do all the stuff they were doing. And it's, yep. and it's, it's kind of an expensive Wait, way. You knew how to do payroll. You knew I, how to do payroll. No, I knew how to, how to find somebody who could, who could get us a health insurance uh, package for our employees. And I knew, I think I, same thing with the flex spending stuff is that you can just go to brokers and it's a lot cheaper than going through a PEO. Cause they're going to also go through brokers. And then, like I said, they charge a, a hefty fee to take care of that stuff for you. But, but it makes sense because there's so much like stress and anxiety that comes to small business owners and even medium sized business owners. Uh, that's a result of payroll that a yep. lot. And that's, that's where these companies got there. That's where the, the demand came for these companies is that they're like, Hey, here's this thing that I hate and that stresses me out. Can I throw a lot of money at you for you just to make it work? So I don't have to worry about it. That's what yeah. it be like, even to the point where, you know, since the employees technically it's that joint employment agreement that they have. Mm -hmm. So really mm -hmm. your, your business doesn't set up all the accounts that they would need to with the state and with the IRS and with all these things that those are already set up for the employee leasing company. So, so like when I came on, I was I like the, the employee leasing company, I filed my I nine and my W four with them, not with yep. my, not with the actual place where I worked because I technically, I was, I was an employee of the employee leasing company for all the way it felt though. I obviously was an employee for where I worked and that that's, that's the joint employment arrangement that we had. Right. So that's how that works. And like I said, it, it it's a, it's a very, very safe and comfortable yet not cheap way to take care <laughs> to take care of your right your payroll stuff. But but it works. And and so these were becoming more and more uh, commonplace back uh, you know in the in the time frame that we already explained. And so small and medium sized businesses they really weren't for large employers, but small and medium businesses. Um, like, you know, we're talking like roofing companies, metal fabricators, lots of mom and pop businesses. They would go to PEOs and through PEOs, they would find relief from the heartburn and brain damage that they incurred as a result of trying to do their own payroll uh, or, or their own HR. And, and then in San Antonio specifically, so just narrowing the focus of this to the San Antonio area, in the 1990s and, and early 2000s, there were these certain 13 PEOs that all had a common, this common group that owned them and managed them. And they, and they, and so they were based in San Antonio, but they were serving clients throughout Texas and also some clients in Nevada. Okay. So that's all right. So we're looking, we're looking at San Antonio and uh, these the Alamo, the, exactly. Never forget it. These, the PEOs were, and they were super helpful. One of the other things that PEOs mm -hmm. did besides just payroll and, you know, Caleb, kind of like what we see with a, a lot of accounting firms too, just general accounting firms is they go, yep. Oh, 
we've got these clients. Here's basically what we set out to do is take care of payroll. But a lot of our clients also need help in these other areas as well. So PEOs, you know, it varied from PEO to PEO. But some PEOs would also, as well as taking care of the payroll tax compliance and the workers' comp and all that sort of stuff, they also, and, and specifically these 13 POs, some of them would help some of their clients broker even their like their general business liability insurance. And specifically, these, these PEOs that we're talking about in uh, these 13 PEOs in San Antonio, they worked with Hartford Insurance Company. And so this this whole PEO of Hartford, Connecticut, of of Hartford, Connecticut, not of Hartford, te- Texas, not of uh, Hartford, no. Colorado, but right, Hart- yeah, and uh, and they found out it was a real uh, this was real Stephen Covey shit here, Seven Habits <laughs> crap, where they they were doing a win win <laughs> because the the clients. Uh, they didn't. They won because they didn't have to worry about payroll compliance, and the owners won because they were making a, a decent profit by giving the people what they want. Which that's that's capitalism. That's the free market. Yeah. And well, that one thing I was going to mention. Yeah. That I was going to mention this a little bit earlier, but I didn't get a chance. But you mentioned like employers do have stress around this stuff, right? Oh yeah. And the reason they have stress around this is because if they fuck it up, yeah. They are going to hear about it. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. That, <laughs> when people don't get paid, they get real mad. Absolutely, real mad. And, and it's <laughs> it's and and it fucks up their life. Yeah. I mean, we did the episode about my payroll HR, right? Yeah. And yeah, we yeah. basically told an entire story about what happened when payroll gets severely yeah. fucked up. Yeah. And I mean, granted, it was it was a giant fraud, but <laughs> but it but, fucks with people. It fucks with people's lives in such a way where <laughs> it is going to come back on you hardcore. And so, yeah. something like a PEO makes a lot of sense because if you can figure this stuff out and you can do it well, yeah, time after time after time after time after time, mm-hmm. people will gladly pay you for that. Absolutely, absolutely. Can't fuck up payroll because your people. Uh, will will lose their shit if that happens. Yeah. The IRS is even a bigger concern right. for most of these people where they're they're like, I, I definitely don't want to make my employees riot by getting payroll wrong. But then they're also like, I'd also prefer to not to go to jail for screwing up the IRS side of stuff. So yep. yeah, ton, tons of headaches and tons of compliance stuff that's involved there. And again, we, you and I, we did a webinar, uh, a couple, a few of them about the history mm-hmm. of payroll. And so yep. there's so many, I mean, even, you know, talking about overtime compliance, talking about minimum wage compliance, talking about, um, it, it, the, the compliance for the, for, uh, child labor, anyone under 18 who's working for you, all that stuff. That's a whole nother layer of compliance that, that people have no damn clue of. And so if somebody else is taking care of it, it's making their lives immeasurably better by doing that. Um, yep. And so, uh, and, and so, like I said, these guys, because they were offering this great service that was taking care of people who didn't want to do it themselves, their profits were great. And as a matter of fact, even one of, uh, one of these PEO's officers, these Austin, uh, these, uh, not Austin, San Antonio, uh, San Antonio, San Antonio PEO officer. His name's Charles Percher. He was, they were making enough money that this guy, uh, Chuck Percher, uh, was able to fulfill a lifelong dream, and he bought a horse training ranch that uh, he named Paradise Farms. Um, so things were things were rosy. Things were looking good in, That's nice. uh, in San Antonio with the PEOs. This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by LiveFlow. LiveFlow connects QuickBooks Online directly to Google Sheets and Excel allowing you to have spreadsheets that automatically update with the most recent QuickBooks data. Hundreds of accountants, bookkeepers, and small businesses are using LiveFlow today to create automatically updating budgets versus actuals, dashboards, and consolidated reports. Yes, consolidated reports. You can connect one spreadsheet to multiple QuickBooks online companies and see the numbers updated in real time. Because LiveFlow can be fully customized to create reports and dashboards, LiveFlow could also be used to surface possible fraud. For example, you could create a sheet that is a list report for invoices or checks and filter it for transactions over a certain amount. Then if any questionable transaction is entered into QuickBooks, it would automatically appear on the sheet. Or maybe you get really aggressive and create an entire dashboard that automatically surfaces transactions that are out of company norms. 
To learn more about using LiveFlow and how you can save 20% off your first three months, head over to ohmyfraud.promo slash LiveFlow. That is ohmyfraud.promo forward slash L-I-V-E-F-L-O-W. Stop manually updating your spreadsheets with LiveFlow. So things appear to be going along just fine for these 13 PEOs. But then some of these PEOs clients started getting hurt on the job. Okay. And apparently these employees went to get treated and were informed that they didn't have workers comp insurance, Hmm. which is strange. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, Texas doesn't have a workers comp requirement. It's one of the few States that doesn't. Huh? Interesting. Forget about, forget about that for a minute. These people thought they had workers' comp, Uh right? Right. Went to get treated, and then they were told that they didn't. And according to My San Antonio, a report from My San Antonio, quote, 10 lawsuits were filed against the PEOs over workers' claims. And it turned out that despite their employer paying workers' comp premiums to the PEOs, some of the workers didn't have the coverage. Okay. So they so you you uh you trip on a you trip on a crack at the at, at work, you you twist your back, you go into yep. the urgent care and you're like no big deal it happened at work. We're going to fill out a, a a claim. They process the claim, it gets denied and they're like, "Yeah, workers comp doesn't have any knowledge of your existence." That's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah, right. Night. I I personally have never I have never filed a workers comp claim myself neither have i that's because we are dainty men who do dainty work very soft hands yes i've I've filed i've had to i've had workers since i'm kind of since i'm because i'm a big deal at my job and i'm in charge of uh, especially maintenance guys they uh we've had to file a few workers comp uh claims ourselves and there's also been times when i've had guys hurt that we at least do a lot of documentation because they're worried that it might become a workers comp claim so right right yep so these 10 cases were all related to peos that were run by a guy by the name of patrick meyer so authorities got wind of this and they started looking into these peos uh a little bit closer and also into Patrick Meyer. Exactly. And 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 they were looking into him because like we said, there was there was not one but 10 lawsuits uh <laughs> that, for people who were like I'm sure I have workers comp and I'm sure we've been paying for that uh that those premiums, but then I didn't and and that that's obviously a red flag. So uh so different agencies actually because of these red flags, they start they start digging in, and after a closer look, the IRS was like, "Hey, uh, Pat Meyer, where's our fucking money, man?" They determined just at a, 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 and again, I know that, that it's much more involved in this, but with the the articles that we we read, it was almost like they said, "Hey, let's look into this Pat Meyer guy." Hey, wait a second, there's sixty six million dollars that this guy <laughs> didn't remit to us. I'm sure it was more than just like opening a window on your computer and going, this guy owes us 66 million bucks. But also, holy shit, 66 million bucks. They were like, this guy is not doing things right. And uh, and so that, th- that made it so that obviously Patrick Meyer was in deep shit because of that. And so his wh- what had happened was that Pat Myers PEOs I mean just like all this other stuff like the like the uh workers comp premiums they were collecting the workers comp premiums and apparently they just were pocketing that money and they weren't actually buying policies for these clients same with the payroll taxes they were collecting <sighs> federal withholding state withholding FICA Medicare and they weren't remitting those taxes to the IRS, they were just taking them from the clients, just going, "Cool, I guess, I guess, I guess we're the tax man now, suckers," and uh, we're just skipping all the way to uh, their own personal gain and luxurious lifestyles. <laughs> so, this Pat Meyer 
he's in a heap of trouble. Yeah. Heaps. And since, since he's already in a heap of trouble, he agrees to cooperate with the FBI and the IRS criminal investigations division. And he starts snitching on his co-conspirators. Yep. And because of that, the feds discovered that this, there's a group of six dudes. Again, these were the six guys who had the common ownership, common management over these 13 different PEOs that these guys between 2002 and 2008, that they had failed to remit $133,400,000 in payroll taxes. Uh, Caleb, do you yes. do you know how much money a hundred and thirty three million four hundred thousand dollars is? It's a hundred and thirty three million. It's so much money four hundred thousand. You had twenty dollar bills and started stacking them one on top of another. That uh-huh. after about two hours, you would have so much money piled up in front of you that you'd realize you could pay someone else to stack $133,400 mm. worth of $20 bills. $400,000? $400,000. Yeah, $133,400,000. It's a lot of money. It's a, a lot, lot of money. It's a ridiculous amount of money. Um, yeah. And that was, so they failed to remit that 100, basically, let's just say 133, over $133 million. In, and that included workers' comp premiums. That included liability insurance premiums that they had collected and not created liability insurance. They hadn't paid for a liability insurance policy. And and obviously it was the, you know, it was the payroll taxes, all the stuff we said, federal withholding, uh, Medicare, FICA, federal employment, state unemployment, all that stuff. And even though, and, and just like with most of these cases we look at, they were able to to nail them for the six year period from 2002 to 2008. But but everybody who was looking into this presumes that it that it actually started way back in the 1990s. But they they got them and they nailed them for this for this uh, small chunk of time uh, in the early to mid 2000s. And and so then, how'd they do it? Great question. That and that how they did it is actually the mind-boggling question of this whole thing, because Caleb, like we said before, payroll tax. If you don't give the payroll taxes to the IRS, you're an idiot, and you're gonna get. They're gonna notice. Yeah, how can they? They're how gonna can, notice. How can they not notice? I mean, that's that's. <laughs> I mean, it's that that's such a ballsy thing. I like we said. There's business owners who stay up at night worrying about are they remitting their payroll taxes correctly because if they don't remit them correctly, they're going to get in trouble. And here's these guys who their job was remitting payroll taxes. They're going, yeah, we're just not going to do it. How about we we just keep that money? (laughs) And that's what they did. That was their scam. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not very sophisticated. I'll, I'll, I'll say that it's there's nothing. Yeah, it's it's not. But I th- it is it is it is it is one of those yoink scams, right? Yeah. Like, it's yeah, just like ours now. Right. And I think but but here's the thing. I think these guys, since this was their job, I think that I don't know. It's it's hard. And, that, and that's one of the things we don't. Here's the information that we know based on the accounts that we were able to find was that they what they would do is they would create new PEO companies that were supposed to remit these taxes, and then they would just walk away from the tax liability and shut down the PEO company, and that'd be that, which I kind of go, mm. that seems very, very basic, very dumb. It seems like they'll go, okay, who who owned these PEOs? And they'll go find those guys and go, hey, where, where the fuck's our money? And then they also covered their tracks. Uh, this was the other thing we found out. They covered their tracks with layers of shell corporations and bank accounts. And that's that I mean really that's pretty much all the verbiage that was given even in like the the FBI releases that we read. Mm-hmm. They, they were they were they were a little I don't know, did you feel like they were cagey about I don't know if they were cagey, they just weren't like I've I've just I mean I've read countless, you know, uh-huh. press releases from the DOJ and sometimes they're extraordinarily detailed. And in this case, they just weren't right. Like, they, they were like, they it's even really... boring to us. We're not going to, we're not going to put this <laughs> right. It's like, we're not going to bore you with the details, <laughs> but assure we assure you these guys are bad. They're bad news. 
This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by SoftLedger. SoftLedger is a real-time cloud accounting software platform that enables accountants, CFOs, and developers to manage multiple entities, integrate with other systems, and close the books faster. SoftLedger has everything you would expect from a cloud accounting app like an adaptable GL, bank feed data, automated AP and AR, financial reporting, and cash flow tools. But SoftLedger is more advanced than other accounting packages on the market as it can handle multi-currency, multiple businesses, properties, investments, sub-ledgers, and SoftLedger is the first full-featured accounting system that supports crypto multi-wallet asset management with seamless integrations to crypto exchanges, giving you real-time transactional crypto accounting and reporting. SoftLedger is fully programmable via their API. This allows your team of developers to create your own accounting functionality or easily connect SoftLedger to other software you may be using. To learn more about using SoftLedger and to get 25% off your first three months when you mention the Oh My Fraud podcast, head over to ohmyfraud.promo slash SoftLedger. That's ohmyfraud.promo forward slash S-O-F-T-L-E-D-G-E-R. So with that, because Caleb, you and I are pros, um, we can at least put together like a hypothetical of how this how this may have gone down. And I sure, sure. And, and yeah. I, I think I, I think I've got I think I've got something that seems fairly realistic. So the okay. so the PEOs are collecting the taxes from yep. their clients, and, but they're not sending it into the into the IRS. But all of those employees are still expecting to get W twos yep. at the end of the year. So so they're so what they're doing is they're saying, okay, we still have all the data on hand to where we can give these. We can give all these employees their W twos at the end of the year. So they calculated everything. I'm assuming they calculated it correctly for these people, their federal withholding, their FICA, their Medicare, their, well, and then I guess un unemployment is paid for by the employer, but still that's part of what they're mm -hmm. not remitting. So they're, yep. they're calculating all that stuff, right? They're collecting it from these, uh, from these employers that they have these joint employment uh, contracts with. They're calculating it all right. They're sending all, they're sending fake stuff back. Well, and I guess maybe not even fake, because again, if you're, if you're calculating everything right for the W-2, it's not mm -hmm. a fake W-2. It's still a W-2. Just you didn't. It, you're supposed to send all that information in to the IRS. So when, right. And when you through send a payroll it, through a quarterly payroll tax return. Yep, exactly. And and even with that, I mean, gosh, if you want to get into the complexity of the the tax code, depending on the size of your business and how much your payroll is, sometimes it's not even quarterly with that. So they're not Ooh. they're not sending anything yeah. into the IRS. They're not sending nine forties. The form right. 940 is what you report your unemployment tax, the federal unemployment taxes with. They're not sending in 941s to the to the feds. That's how you uh, report your withholding and your your FICA and your Medicare, your Social Security stuff. And they're not. Mm -hmm. You're also supposed to send in what's called a W3. Did you know there was a W3, Caleb? I think I knew, but I have no idea what it, it is. It's a it's a summary. It's basically here's this is a sum up of all of our W2s, and it, and it also the ah. W3. Not only it, like the first page is a summary. Here's how much all of our gross wages were. Here's all of our federal withholding that we remitted. Here's all of that. It also has copies of every single W two that you gave to your employees. None of that was going. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Have we mentioned that this is extremely complicated? Extreme. It's extremely complicated. It's but, extremely complicated. But here's but here's the Talk. crazy thing because part of me was going. Well, wait a second. So they must have been sending fake. Fake 941s, all these, all these remittances for this stuff. Yep. They must have been sending fake ones to the employers. But I realized not the case because the PEOs were technically the employers. The right. only thing they had to give back to these companies was the W-2s and nothing right. and nothing else. That's all well, to the to the employees, not even to the business yeah, owners. Yeah, yeah, the businesses were just going. I guarantee you, I guarantee you those business owners weren't like, excuse me. 
I'd like to see a copy of the 941 that you filed for us last quarter. Exactly. Like nobody's saying that. Exactly. No yeah. one is saying that. No one. Yeah. Not, none of them. Especially because that's their whole thing. They're going, we're paying That's you. the reason why they hired the PEO <laughs> in the first place. Exactly. So we're not going, we, excuse me, we'd like to double check to verify to make sure that our 940s are getting filed correctly. No. Yeah. That's, they're, they're it saying. Re- it reconciles to our QuickBooks <laughs> uh, desktop right. uh, general ledger. Right. No. Balance. They're going. No they're that. going. I paid you a bunch of fucking money, so you're um, you're fucking doing it right, right? And they go, yes, sir. And they go, damn right you are. Good, that's, that, good. <laughs> that, that's it. So so then so that's what's happening there. They're keeping the money. They're not sending anything yep. there. Is they're sending W twos back to the employees. Now the employees at the end of the year they're filing their tax returns, and they have these W twos that they're reporting on their tax return, and so. They're saying, hey, I got all the I got this income and I'm supposed to pay this taxes. So here's the taxes I'm supposed to pay. We're cool, right? Government. And and the government gets it and go, oh, we don't have any records of the W-2s that that reflects the income that's in these uh, in these statements. Now, one of the things I did not look into, Caleb, in researching this is what level of technology was available at the IRS in 2002 to 2008. I'm pretty sure they already at that point had some of the infrastructure for being able to double check the tax return that comes in against the the reported stuff that came in from the employer, but I don't think it was as robust as we have now. I think that's that's fair to say. Uh, it's probably fair to say. I mean, the the IRS isn't really known for being on the cutting edge of technological, very, like very true. So with that, so think whatever. Of, think if you're the IRS though, with this whole thing. So you get this tax return, and it's got all this money on it from a W two that you don't that you can't you can't vouch it against a W two or a W three that came in. And right. so you go, hey, here's some money that just came in that we weren't expecting it to come in, and then you'd mm-hmm. go, cool. That's awesome. That's a good problem to have. And you might yeah. you might at worst go, we should probably look into this a little bit more. But, right. But you're also going, we didn't think these taxes were getting paid, but it looks like they did. And they attached a copy of their W-2. Cool. We're just going to put that in the good pile and move forward. And then if we get around to it, we're going to look into this a little more diff- a little more closely. But we know that a perennial problem with the IRS is that they're they're understaffed. They know. Yep. Like, like, well, tell me, do you, did you, when you were working at going concern, would you report on like, um, the, the percentages of returns that would get uh, audited? Oh yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure we did from time to time, but it wasn't like we were, we were not on the beat. Okay. You know? It wasn't like something that we followed closely, but yeah, but I mean the, the, the number of audits, especially of the wealthiest taxpayers has consistently gone down yeah. over the years. And it's, yeah. and it's never been huge to begin with. Right. And, and right. like, I, I remember, and it's funny cause the IRS publishes this every year, They uh, do, which seems stupid to me. Just make it be a mystery, but they're like going, yep. <laughs> so, uh, we, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's like must fall under Freedom of Information Act or something like that, where they have. Yeah, to. there's some legislation that said, "Nah, you got to report this every right. year." Right, but like, it, okay, but it's the it's dumb- going to be guys. It's going to be bad. Okay, <laughs> it's going to be bad. It's and it, it legit is where they're like going, "Yeah, it's really you know, it's somewhere between like, but like one and two percent of like." S corps get maybe it's even less. I mean, it's just it all no, S corps was it was actually kind of high. S corp owners oh, like the audit rate was it was higher. Was it? But I'm, it was yeah. higher. But I still don't think it was over two percent of all S corps. It's. I mean, maybe not. It, like it, these are not things I commit to memory. And but. neither do I. But but what I what does seem to stick <laughs> vaguely in my memory is that they're all super low percentages. Yes. Which yes. is which is not helping you go. Hey, I re- if they, if it's just like we audit people and you get screwed if we find you, then that would that would like leave the mystery where you're like scared. But if it's like yeah. no, we only we only audit like a half of a percent of the stuff that comes into us. You go oh so. I've got like a, a a one in two hundred chance of being picked for this. Cool, I'm gonna roll the dice. They actually, yep. that's even you know that that's even called like the the tax. You're playing the tax lottery. It's like a reverse lottery, where yep. instead of if you get picked, you get a you know you get this huge cash payout like from the 
you know, New York State lottery that I still have two tickets that I haven't checked yet. And so I might be I might be a multimillionaire right now, Caleb. But if you pay the tax, keeping my I'm keeping my fingers crossed. For thank you. you, I appreciate that. But if you play the tax lottery, it's the opposite, where you just go. It's a very low chance for me to get audited, so I'm going to lie and cheat, and and probably right. will get away with it. And so, uh, so again, so you got this understaffed stuff. So you just kind of go, okay, well, if we get around to it, we're going to look into it. But for right now, we're just thankful that um, that we got these taxes that we weren't uh, looking for. So, so I think I think I mean, does that seem like a, a reasonable way that that they got away with this stuff yeah probably i mean it it is like they're if you know kind of how to work the system yeah like things can like fly below the radar for years Mm -hmm. and uh and this seems to be a case of where they were able to do that right well and there's also the whole idea of of uh the the irs anyone doing any job you're looking for low-hanging fruit as well yep Yep. Right. And so with right. that, so let's say that you go, okay, we're going to start looking into some of these some of these tax returns that came on and we can't match a W2 to it. So they go, okay, let's look into this company and you and and then you get into what the FBI was saying about this complex series of uh of shell companies and these closed bank accounts and things like that. So you you start looking and going, "Oh my gosh, this is okay, here's one. This is kind of a question mark." But this this fucking corporate structure is a nightmare for us to dig into. You know what? Let's let's yep. look, let's look for something that's going to be easier for us to actually get to the bottom of. So you get shelved because again, you're kind of working with the fact that the IRS is understaffed, right? And so that's how you can get by for 12 years with uh, that that's what I posit is a way that you could possibly get away for 12 years without paying any taxes to the IRS and them not kicking your door down and hauling you off to jail. And I think it is a, a reasonable assumption. I agree. Thank you for agreeing with me, Caleb. That's twice sure. on this episode that we've agreed. What? Maybe not as wholeheartedly as before, but there's still some agreement there. Um, yeah. 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 So, then on top of that, like we already said, uh, these PEOs were billing clients for workers' comp insurance and for business liability insurance. But then they never. But then the PEOs never actually bought those insurance policies. But here's what happened, and this was this was another thing that got uncovered with this case: is that the yep. PEOs they would forge fake certificates of insurance and send those to the clients, and they even they even went so far as to give their clients phone numbers. So that they could contact Hartford Underwriters Insurance Company, uh, but that phone number was actually to a phone that was set up in one of their offices with like oh. an answering machine or something like that on it. So, so you'd you'd be like, hey, I need, I got some questions about my liability insurance policy. I'll I'll call this number that's on my uh, my insurance certificate. Ring, ring. Hello, you've reached Hartford Underwriters. No one's available right now. Please leave your message. We'll get back to you. And then they call back and go, hey, what do you want to know? And they're like, am I covered for this? And they're like, you're goddamn right. <laughs> you are. And they're like, why, yeah. do you, why do you sound like the guy who works at the at our employee leasing company? Uh, it's just a real common voice. I get that all the time. Click. And that's that's the. So there was some effort. There, there was some effort there, there. There was some effort. These guys weren't just, they weren't just phoning it in. Phoning in the fraud. I know. No. I know. You were, yeah. you were there with me with that one. And so here's here's the other thing. So. When I think of these two kinds of frauds, they the insurance what the the payroll and then the insurance yeah yeah like that yeah, yeah stealing the tax money and stealing the yep. insurance premiums those are the yep. that's how I'm going to separate this fraud into those two components so yep. when I think about the insurance scam that kind of makes sense to me because okay how well because of this well it goes back to what we talked about before you said you'd never filed a workers comp claim ever in your life. Correct. And I was also like, me too, never filed in a, a worker's comp claim ever in my life. So if clients are paying premiums to you, you never buy the policy, you pot, you steal their premium money, you could get away with that forever as long as yep. they got people like Caleb Newquist and Greg Kite who never get hurt on the job. You get away with that indefinitely. Um, yeah, sure. So, but the thing that I, I mean, carpal tunnel takes how many years to a, develop? A long, 30, and even then, 40? Yeah, it's a lot of money. And even then you kind of go, yeah, you know, 
this uh, this feel yeah, I got tinglys in my fingers and I'm I'm 50. So that's just yeah. what happens. But here so that that part makes sense to me. The stupid part of this yes. is that Oh, I'm <laughs> go on. <laughs> the stupid part is like we said, the for these PEOs, they had clients that were like roofing companies and metal manufacturing. Yeah. I, I would 100% all day long fake workers' comp policies for a telemarketing company, but I would never yeah. do it for a roofing company. What kind no. of dumb it, shit? Think, uh, it's a safe people, people People fall off roofs sometimes. Uh, yeah. If, if, they do. Have you ever done any roofing just like uh, DIY helping a buddy? Helping my uh, helping my dad. Yeah, yeah it, it, sure. When I was a kid, and when yeah, you got up there, were you, were you like, "Oh, this didn't look like it'd be hard to stay on this roof," but yeah. it's hard to stay on this. Yeah, roof. we we had a steep roof. Yeah, and uh, and yeah. So I mean, my dad, God, he must he had a lot of confidence in me, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, it's I stayed up there. Right. <laughs> well, it's like and those those uh, what do they call it? Like the the shingles with the little like gravelly stuff on them. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. And that stuff, like you'll be on it and it starts just kind of sliding off and you're like going, oh, these Converse high tops were a bad choice for roofing a house. And uh, yeah. and I'd like to say, you said your house was had a, was a steep, steep roof? Yeah, it had a steep pitch. Every roof, Is that what you would say? When yeah. you're on the roof, every roof has a steep pitch. That's me. And again, yeah. I'm a dainty man. I don't do, <laughs> I don't do a lot of real As world I. work. So that's 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 my inner weenie coming out, but uh, but yeah, that's a roofing company. Bad idea for not yeah, getting workers' don't, comp don't, policies. Yeah, you you have to have workers' but, comp. But again, that's how it makes sense that the the yeah. way this all unraveled was first with the workers' comp stuff. But even that said, I mean, again, my knee jerk reaction is that the payroll tax, not remitting payroll tax, was the more dangerous, and that eventually is going to catch up with you. So. That's right, because because like like you point out, if if you say, "Yep, we got workers' comp," and people are like, "Sweet," mm -hmm. but none of those people get hurt, right? They're not even they're not even going to think about yeah. it. Whereas the IRS, they're waiting for your. They're just sitting there waiting for your money. <laughs> right, right, exactly. They're just waiting. Right. I was thinking about that. I I don't maybe maybe State Farm maybe my State Farm agent has been pocketing my homeowner's insurance maybe. For all, I've never made a homeowner's insurance claim either. So this, right. these might be forged documents in my in my file cabinet right over here. It, it kind of reminds me. It kind of reminds me. Do you remember that Simpsons episode? And I don't remember the context of it at all. But like uh, Ned Flanders' wife is like talking to either Marge or Homer, and she says, "Oh, Nettie doesn't Nettie." considers insurance to be a form of gambling oh. so they don't have yeah insurance. yeah 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 that's right <laughs> because yeah you just like you're just like i'm paying money and i have no idea what for like it's just like you're giving it away yeah. Yeah. and you're right you're like we also have state farm it's like yeah i mean we get all this shit in the mail and we get the insurance cards and all that stuff yeah. so maybe that's maybe that's the equivalent of right. a receipt and, that, and like i show that to a state patrolman and he's like all right, you're good, and it's, but it could be all bullshit. Yeah, like we don't even know until you file a claim. Until you file a that's claim, that's the only way yeah. to prove it. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. So that's uh that was the unraveling of the San Antonio PEOs. This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by Patriot. Patriot Software creates accounting and payroll software that radically simplifies the day-to-day -day complexities that American businesses and their accountants face. Patriot is seamlessly integrated under one login, easy to use and affordable. And they rank number one for ease of use, customer support, features, and value for the money by users. Patriot's accounting software is a cloud-based, full-featured accounting general ledger that gives your clients the simplicity they need, but the power you require. Patriot has patented dual-ledger accounting, so you can quickly switch between cash basis, modified cash basis, or accrual accounting, and a chart of accounts that can have unlimited sub-accounts and nest up to eight accounts deep. Patriot's payroll software lets you run payroll in three easy steps, 
offers free two-day direct deposit, and their full-service payroll offers a tax filing guarantee. Optional payroll add-ons include Patriot's HR software to maintain paperless employee files, manage company documents, and generate required compliance reports. And Patriot's time and attendance offers an employee portal for manual hour entry or time punches, custom overtime rules, and a seamless integration to Patriot payroll. Accounting professionals can partner with Patriot and receive discounted pricing that increases as you add more clients. Support located in the USA, free co-branding, and free accounting and payroll for your firm. Join thousands of accounting professionals who trust Patriot with their clients' accounting and payroll and get a 30-day free trial. Head on over to ohmyfraud.promo slash Patriot. That's ohmyfraud.promo forward slash P-A-T-R-I-O-T. So six people were prosecuted and pleaded guilty under this scheme. Their sentences range from five years of probation to 12 years in prison yeah uh they were they were also ordered to pay are you ready a combined total of 394 million four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in restitution that's a that's a ridiculous amount of restitution that's a lot that's a lot bigger than the money that they took right and greg you have an idea as to how it ballooned the restitution yes i do and the short the short form of of why this might be almost three times the amount of what was actually uh you know withheld in irs taxes is because the irs they have they have such broad authority that they could be like hey we know that you six guys stole 133 million bucks for us and one way or another we're getting our 133 million dollars back so you owe me 133 million dollars and you owe me 133 million dollars and you so they just they i mean really they basically picked three guys and and according to the documents again one of the guys uh, one of these six guys owed 120 million dollars in restitution Two of them owed $130 million in restitution each. The other restitution, I think there was another guy who was $10 million, another guy that was about a half a million bucks, and then there was one guy who didn't didn't owe any restitution uh, at all. So oh. um, but but again, the, so so I think they found the three main guys and were like, okay, all three of you guys have to pay all this stuff back to us because we're the IRS and we're getting our money. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care if we get it multiple times, but we're at least getting our money, so you all got to pay it. That that's my yeah. short story of how the IRS works. Right, and it makes sense, right? Because because of how PEOs are set up, the victim was the IRS. Right. Right? The clients of the PEOs aren't on the hook for the taxes because that's what they hired the PEOs for, and PEOs assume responsibility for that part of the deal. Yeah, exactly. Because right. because the the, comp- the clients, the companies who were clients of BIOS, they weren't using their own EINs to to pay their the you know to, to set up these employees. So yeah, they were right. employees not of the clients but of the PEO. So the PEO was right. on the hook for all this stuff. Yeah, and and it says here that you that the workers' comp lawsuits were settled with the PEOs before everything collapsed right yes. yeah that's got it and again that's when you look at the when you look at the research or at least the stuff that we found you can find it all in the show notes when you look at that it it appears as though that though well it does say that there was 10 lawsuits that they were all settled and that was that was reported right at the beginning when it was like oh this patrick meyer guy is no good and he just got arrested and here's what they're saying about it so yep. that's uh, so so you got to assume at that point this whole thing hadn't crumbled yet. Patrick Myers was the first guy to get hauled in, and it said that they'd already been settled. So again, it looks like the workers' comp was what uh, you know w- was the red flag that made everybody start looking at the stuff earlier. And and like I said, all those those lawsuits that said they were settled. So yeah, you figure yep. people were like, hey, I was supposed to get this workers' comp, and you didn't make a. a yeah, and again, think about it. How would you settle that? Go, I got hurt. 
uh, and this, and they're not covering my bills. Here's how much my bills are. And the PEO would go, oh, crap. Yeah, I guess we, oh, shoot, we overlooked that. Here, let us just pay for that anyways and sign this thing saying that we took care of you. And, oh, and, and we got you the, the real, we actually got you something now. Right? Now, right. That, that'd be a way to get people off your back, I think. You bet. Now, you might be wondering, might be wondering, what happened to the money? I, that's $133 million. That's a hell of a lot of money. It's a hell of a lot of money. Um, yeah. And so, you know, according to the research, it was basically squandered as, as loot is, yeah, as loot tends to be, tends to happen. They didn't just put it in their 401k. They didn't max out their 401k. (laughs) They didn't buy, they didn't invest in gold. Like uh, Glenn Beck tells us to do. (laughs) <laughs> no no they squandered on vacations girlfriends gambling trips to las vegas you know their personal expenses nice yeah and records show that percher chuck does he go by chuck i don't think he, he does, in actually. this podcast he does okay he's going by chuck in this podcast Chaz, uh, he actually Chaz he, percher. <laughs> sure sure he had three different very nice homes plus the the horse ranch. Yeah. Patrick Myers had a $700,000 home. And I'm sure the other defendants had assets that could be liquidated to recoup some of these losses. But various court documents kind of stated that it was largely spent on their lavish and extravagant lifestyles, which, you know, is pretty par for the course, I'd say. It's yeah. Not, yep. And and I would, I, I don't know if this, happens. if this crossed your mind, but I'm like, oh, what's the deal with the, uh, with fraudsters and and horses because we got we got because mm. seeing about this uh, you know it's like a horse training ranch this paradise farms yep place yep. and the, the first thing i started thinking of is is rita crundwell out in dixon illinois sure that also sure. i want to say her wasn't am i am i wrong what was do, what do you remember being the total take of hers from her city was it, it wasn't as big as this one it, hers okay. was like his Thir- was like 48 48 or 49 okay. million gotcha all right big i mean it's big for a municipal fraud yeah right but this is like just like i mean you're i mean it's not even a skin this isn't even skimming right because skimming is more of a sales tax thing yeah, like, yeah yeah they're just they're just not remitting payroll yeah. tax and yeah. you think if they did it over the course of so many years like 133 million is like you know kind of over you know if the fraud was broader in scope like I mean, fuck! It could be so, it could be so much money. It, it could, yeah. When you think about all when you think about all the payroll taxes that just get remitted every every yeah. time a payroll oh. cycle passes. Yeah. Think about all the money that is due to the IRS, like yep. that we all pay. If you draw, if you if you get a W two, every time you get paid, some of that money is going to Uncle Sam, right? Yep. Every single time. Yep. And you think about how many people are in the workforce. And you think about they're all paying in. It's mm-hmm. a lot. It's of money. a Huge amount, huge, huge amount. Well, of money. And, so 130 million, 133 million is just a drop in the bucket, right? Exactly. And but interestingly enough, they did say repeatedly that as of 2013, when this whole thing came together, this was this was by this was clearly the largest fraud of this kind in Western Texas. So okay, yeah, and West Texas, I mean, seems like a. I'm gonna say still a little wild still. Yeah, like, there's some big cities in Western. Wouldn't wouldn't Houston be considered West Texas? Oh no, 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 no. No, that's not. No, no. It's West South Texas, Texas is West Texas is San Antonio. Okay, even I mean Austin is pretty central, but like well, and I did I mention that my uh, that my knowledge of uh, Southwestern history is a little f- fuzzy. You did. I'm gonna say my uh, my knowledge of Southwestern geography is also a little fuzzy. No shame, Greg. There's no shame. Thanks. A little, little bit. Feeling a little bit, oh, but, right. but thanks. One interesting footnote uh, to this case is that Charles Percher, Chaz, uh-huh. <laughs> he had spent five years in jail okay. in the early 90s for perpetrating a $1.2 million bank fraud. Okay. And he used $1.2 million of his ill-gotten gains from the PEO scheme to pay off <laughs> The court ordered restitution <laughs> from the earlier bank fraud, which seems so, it seems very like <laughs> doesn't that seem kind of like a responsible? It's like very resourceful. It, it's like very hey, hey, we got 
We got girlfriends. We got vacations. We got gambling in Las Vegas. Oh, and by the way, I do need to pay off that restitution that the quarter <laughs> well, it seems that like other a, fraud. a different category. Yeah. We often talk about this, Greg, but like the majority of the time, like these restitution amounts are just massive, right? Like the, yeah. the money's all the money's always gone, you know, or the majority of it is always gone. It's right. always it's always hard. Like in Ponzi schemes, they try to recoup it and they and to an extent they recoup a lot, but they it's almost it's really hard to get everything that's lost. Yeah. But um, but we what we like to joke about is that is that these fraudsters, there's just no way that they'll ever pay the restitution in their lifetime. Um, the only way that we often joke that they could repay it is to commit another larger fraud. <laughs> right. Right. And that's what this guy did. And exactly. So it's kind of like he's like, well, I can either go big or I'll owe this money forever. Yep, exactly. It's cool. It feels like people are listening to what we're, yeah, to maybe our, to our podcast. I mean, this is, I mean, except this was ten years ago. Yeah, I know, but you know, time more machine. than ten years ago. Time machine. All right, Greg. Uh, did we learn anything? Uh, I definitely learned a few things. First off, okay. I learned that Houston is not part of West Texas. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, I also remembered that I, I also learned that I forgot the Alamo. But um, some other things, here, here's some other things that, that I, I looked into uh, just based on all of all the facts and circumstances of this case. First off, interesting fact, Caleb, most, uh, most federal and state taxes are not dischargeable in bankruptcy. Right. And that was one of the things that I first started thinking about when we started unpacking how this fraud happens. So if you had a PEO, you didn't remit your your taxes to the government, and then you just folded as a PEO. You just you know, and you took all the assets, put them somewhere else, and said, "Oh, I just can't pay my taxes." Is that a way to get out of you know? You commit bankrupt. You you declare bankruptcy, right? So you get and, out. And of it's it. like, nope, that's not the case. Because right. I would I was thinking that that could have been the mindset of these guys. So one of the things I learned was that's not a way to get out of paying st state and federal taxes. Um, the other thing that I was thinking is because uh, we know that, especially with corporations, but also with LLCs, uh, one of the reasons why those two business structures are so attractive is that it limits the liability of the owners. Um, that's, I mean, an LLC, limited liability company. That's it's in the yep. name, and and basically what that means is that you've got the company, and the company is its own entity. And so, if the company declares bankruptcy, you cannot go. All you can go after. So, like the IRS could only go after the assets of the company itself, and they couldn't go a layer down to the owners. In a regular C corp, in a in an S corp, or in an LLC, they couldn't right. go. That's called piercing the corporate veil. If right. anybody, if any kind of creditor comes after a company that's that's in that's set up as one of those those uh, en those types of entities, the C corp, the S corp, the LLC. And so I was going, okay, can the IRS do that? Can they pierce the corporate veil? And it turns out that they can. Because officers and shareholders are considered to have a fiduciary duty to remit right. payroll taxes in a timely manner. And so if they don't, the IRS can hold the officers and the shareholders liable themselves for repayment and, and uh, of the taxes and also obviously the penalties that come along with screwing the IRS. So what that means is when a business fails to remit those payroll taxes, the IRS does have the authority to collect those taxes from uh, from the, the officers and the shareholders, but it gets even better than that because the IRS also has the authority to collect those taxes and penalties from what they call responsible persons, which includes not just the shareholders, not just the partners, not just the officers. It also includes any employees that they say, "Hey, you had certain response, you had certain oversight over the payroll function." So basically, the IRS has this broad authority where anybody who touches payroll within a company, they could say, "Yeah, I think you're a responsible person, so you owe me these taxes that <laughs> that, that weren't paid to the IRS." 
that's crazy and that's incredibly stressful for anyone who's involved with payroll who knows that about the if you don't know it you're not gonna be stressed but as soon as you learn they go oh shit if my company screws this up i could i could have to pay it out of my own wallet yeah uh worst case scenario you could did you were you aware of that stuff caleb i don't think i was and uh i guess the lesson is don't fuck around with payroll (laughs) don't fuck around with payroll but again it also helps show why like if you had not just a complex web of entities and shell companies that also makes sense for why that would that would help uh, thwart the irs from finding an actual person to pay this stuff because let's say you're set up as a c-corp then you go okay who are the shareholders of the c-corp was just a bunch of you know who knows who owned these different shares you know there's going to be records within that company but the company's closed how do you who do you go to to find who the shareholders were do you see what i'm saying so that's that's and even how do you how do you determine who the officers were i mean i know you have to register that kind of stuff with your state but you know it, again it's it's definitely a way to help uh make it harder for the irs to get to you if you're screwing right. with them like these guys were right yeah um so there's that uh another thing that that's I a good l- one that's a good one <laughs> thank you it's yeah, yeah. And, and there's a lot of i think that there are i mean probably if you're in payroll you know that stuff but i think there's a lot of even cpas that that aren't aware of that responsible persons thing in the yeah the tax code another thing that i that i learned that i thought was interesting with this case caleb i learned that there's no state income tax in texas or in nevada which are the two states that looked like these peos were working with yeah so so since there's no well let's see you're in colorado and colorado has a state income tax right they do they have a flat tax well i take it there's two rates now okay i think Gotcha. But yeah, for a long time, Colorado had a flat tax. Yeah, same yeah. with Utah. That's where I'm at. Utah has a flat 5% tax for the state income tax. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I grew up in Washington state. Washington state had no state no income, income tax. tax. And yeah, right. Texas and Nevada are also like that, which is why as the story unfolded, we never saw state authorities going after these PEOs. It was only right. the IRS who was going after them. So they, I, I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing, because if they had to remit state income taxes, there's more money they could have stolen. But, sure. but also if they didn't remit state taxes, they would have had more taxing authorities who were coming after them. So it was kind of a, you know, risk reward sort of situation with that. You think they thought it through like that? Far? No, absolutely. Oh, okay. They did not. There's <laughs> no way they did. Okay. Just but, thought I'd ask. So those are, those are the things I learned. Caleb, what was okay. anything that stuck out to you about this, uh, about this case? I mean, our lessons are a little bit on the technical side this time around. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. But here's one thing I found. Because uh, Greg didn't want to look it up. But, yeah, um, lazy, lazy. I'm a dainty it, man. Won't even do heavy <laughs> research. Dainty man wouldn't do research. Um, the, it mentioned in a couple of the DOJ press releases, I think, they mentioned that it was a Klein tax fraud. Yes. And what does that mean? And some people, some listeners might know this already, but a Klein fraud or a Klein conspiracy, I think is what's most commonly known as, this is a conspiracy to defraud the IRS under Section 371's defraud clause. Oh yeah, Section 371, yeah. Of course. You can't you can't defraud the IRS in the normal course of their operations, right? Okay. So like okay. if the IRS is trying to collect taxes and you kind of impede them whether or not you've evaded taxes or not, or you've committed tax fraud, if you kind of like give them head fakes and things like that in the course (laughs) of their investigations, like that's Uh, a no-no. And so this comes from the case law. It's US v. Klein, Second Circuit, 1957. And actually, again, for the nerds out there, this actually Klein, the Klein case just applied an even older case, Hammerschmidt v. US from 1924, the going old Hammerschmidt case. Yeah, yeah. Going back like almost a hundred years here. But in from that case, it said it describing uh, a conspiracy to defraud the United States by impeding, impairing, obstructing, and defeating the lawful functions of the department of the treasury in the collection of revenue. 
to wit, income taxes. So the IRS's job is to collect income taxes. If you interfere with their duty to do that, whether or not you've actually committed fraud, this is a crime. Gotcha. So that's the that's the client conspiracy. So these guys, okay. obviously they conspired to impede, impair, obstruct, or defeat the lawful functions of the IRS. Right. So if you even just like get together and like, guys, hey, how how could we make this a little harder for the IRS to create a diversion? Money? You know, right. like it's yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, what's that noise? Hey, look over there. What's that behind you, right. IRS? Then right. you just you just committed a client fraud. Yeah, that's a client. That's nice. a client conspiracy. Yeah. Nice. So, yes, sir. There so you that's go. A, that's a that's a fun one for your yeah. Probably for your probably a quiz for your CPE there, folks. <laughs> probably. And uh, but the crazy thing that that sticks out to me about uh, the client fraud and the client conspiracy still seems like super broad, which is sort of the oh. IRS's game. So in in my in in my research about client client conspiracies, that is mentioned uh, many times that the the IRS has broad authority to basically interpret this ha- however yeah. they want. So even if you like, you throw a banana peel in front of a an IRS <laughs> agent, uh-huh. they could probably take that yeah. as impeding an investigation. Nice, nice. A real so like this the three stooges uh and totally. any three stooges short was also a client conspiracy. Yeah, potentially. Per- yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this episode. Uh remember, if you committed a fraud and have to pay restitution, make sure to commit another bigger fraud so that you can pay that restitution. And also remember, you can't steal as much payroll in Texas and Nevada because there's no state income tax in Texas or Nevada. Hey, and if you want to drop us a line, uh, please do. We love to hear from our listeners. You can send us an email at ohmyfraud at earmarkcpe. And Caleb, if people want to reach out directly to you, where can they find you out there in the ether? On Twitter at CNewquist and on LinkedIn backslash Caleb Newquist. Greg, you on the uh, internet, where? Uh, it's well uh, on Twitter. I am at Greg Kite, and on LinkedIn, I am just my name, Greg Kite backslash Greg Kite. Uh, if you're looking for me on Tinder, I'm not there anymore. Were you on there? I was. Oh, yeah. I'm okay. I'm in, I've, I've I've been in a relationship for like five and a half years now. No, and I it's know. All thanks to swiping right on Tinder. You're you're, you're happily ever afters out there too. Today's episode has been brought to you by Tinder. Tinder, if you're horny, get Tinder today. Oh My Fraud is written by Caleb Newquist and Greg Kite. Our producer is Zach Frank. If you like the show, leave us a review or share it with a friend. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for the accountants out there, if you listen to this podcast on earmark you can get free cpe answer the question about client conspiracies join us next time for more avarice swindlers and scams from stories that will make you say oh Oh my my fraud." fraud